This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Tonight on Huckabee, former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, Basketball Hall of Famer Pat Williams, the fresh comedy of Byron Trimble, and the soulful sounds of Michael Grimm. That's Trey Corley of the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Thank you, everyone. And happy 4th of the July weekend. I'm so delighted to have this great crowd here in our theater in Hendersonville, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. And I hope you'll make plans very soon to come and be with us. We'd love to have you right here with us in person. And you'll have a lot of fun, I promise. Hey, one of my favorite comedians is a guy that you may remember, Yakov Smirnoff. He was born in Russia. But who better than most of us who can really appreciate America because he has lived in the alternative. He's hilariously funny, especially when he compares life in Russia with life in the United States. And his signature line has been, is this a great country or what? Well, Yakov, I agree with you, my friend. It is a great country. But the or what crowd of America haters seem to disagree with us. When I see professional athletes who live like princes and make millions to play a game, turn around and disrespect our flag and national anthem because they think America is so rotten, I wonder, why don't they just go play football in Cuba or North Korea or China? I mean, come on. If Hollywood actors who read other people's words for a living hate a nation that lets them get paid big bucks pretending to be other people, I mean, wouldn't it make sense to be authentic about the disdain for America and make their movies in Afghanistan, Pakistan, or for that matter, Slobberstan, wherever it may be? <laughs> we are celebrating the 4th of July this weekend, and I want to be on record in saying that for me, it's truly a celebration of this nation's birth and a celebration that by God's dear grace, I was born here. And despite... <laughs> and despite what some lunatics on the far left believe, I wasn't born into privilege or wealth, quite the opposite. But in America, you don't have to stay or stop where you started. You can start in poverty and work your way to prosperity. You can be the very first in your family to get a good education, and you're not held back if you can do the job. Dr. Ben Carson's mother was a single mom raising Ben and his brother. 
She cleaned rich people's houses for a living. And she noticed something as she worked in the homes of rich people. She noticed something beyond the swimming pools, the nice furniture, and the lavish appliances. She saw books. She observed that in the homes of all the rich people she cleaned for, they had lots of books. She surmised that reading books helped people become successful. So she announced to Ben and his brother that they would not be watching TV a lot in the future, but instead they would be reading books. Now they were furious, of course, but they did as told. And Ben went from being a failing kid who his classmates thought was really dumb to being number one in his class and went on to become the world's most acclaimed pediatric neurosurgeon. Being poor, living in a ghetto, being from a single parent home and being black didn't make his life easy, but neither did those things make it impossible. You see, he didn't get to be the best because he was black. Color had nothing to do with it. And to get where he was, he had to beat all the white kids whose so-called white privilege wasn't enough to pull them ahead of him. For me and my family, this is going to be a great weekend. We're going to unapologetically celebrate America. I'll tell you something. If I ever see my grandkids disrespect the flag of the national anthem, I'll do as my parents used to say, and I'll put a knot in their rope. <laughs> yeah. I was raised by a father who was very, very patriotic, and he passed that patriotism on to me. Now, he was old-school patriotic. He laid on the stripes, and I saw the stars. <laughs> patriotism. And this weekend, I just may be quoting my friend Yakov Smirnoff and say, is this a great country or what? My first guest tonight served as the 107th mayor of New York City from 1994 to 2001. He's a lawyer and former federal prosecutor. He served as U.S. Associate Attorney General and then U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York. But fast forward to 2021. Rudy Giuliani has been targeted with political persecution by corrupt New York Democrats who somehow decided that the mayor shouldn't be able to practice law in the Empire State. Maybe ever again. Joining us now from New York, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor and my friend. Mayor, first of all, this is stunning what has happened to you after uh, 52 years with the law license. Uh, some of these highly partisan people in New York have decided to take your license and suspend it because you accurately represented your client. What's up with this? It's very frightening, Mike. And I'm, you know, I'm not the first of the Trump lawyers to be uh, harassed like this and have their civil rights denied. In fact, it seems to me the only lawyers whose offices get raided are Trump lawyers. I, I mean, I was a lawyer for 52 years and a prosecutor for 17. I never raided a lawyer's office, even when they represented the mafia, Nazis and terrorists. So there's a different rule. I mean, the things that I was saying that they're, they're complaining about, I was pointing out evidence that I had from other people of uh, fraud in the election. And uh, I even offered my affidavits to the court. I said, I'll make any affidavits you want available. And they ignored that, ignored, and just concluded that I was lying. 
you are representing a client. An attorney has not only a right, but an obligation to represent his or her client uh, in the most effective way possible and to represent what the client uh, wants represented, which is exactly what you were doing. If you can have your law license suspended for that, then there's not a citizen in the United States that can be confident that his or her attorney is going to be able to represent them without the intervention of partisan political weaponry. I don't know why the ACLU has not stepped in on your behalf. I mean, I think I do. But normally they would be all over this saying, you can't interfere with an attorney and his client. There's a privilege there. I mean, I had great respect for the ACLU, even though I disagreed with them uh, many, many times, because I agree with the principle that you've got to represent uh, sometimes very, very controversial causes. Somebody has to do it. And if, it, if I get appointed, I'll do it. You know, I, I, um, I, 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 now it seems as if you can represent controversial causes as long as it isn't Donald Trump. And then you're a traitor, you're whatever, whatever you are. But I mean, he is entitled to representation. I mean, he's a citizen of the United States and he's entitled to vigorous representation. You have, you have, to, you have to give your client the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You have to give your client, uh, you have to see it in the light most favorable to your client. And now if that offends the New York Times or the Bar Association, I mean, tough luck. It offends me sometimes when people represent terrorists who you know, have killed innocent people. But I understand it and I accept it. And I wouldn't want to do it, but if I was required to do it, I would. I, I want to talk on a personal level. I don't think most people understand that when you're the target of these kind of attacks, and I want to remind our audience, these were five Democrats. These, this is not some bipartisan commission. These are people who have weaponized their, their positions, have specifically targeted you and uniquely targeted you but you have to defend yourself and it costs an enormous amount of money. My guess is, Mayor, you probably are, I mean, absolutely devastated financially by all that has been done to try to silence you. A am I right about that? Yeah, you're right about it. And that's part of it. I mean, part of it, I mean, it isn't just this, it's all of the frivolous lawsuits that have been brought, all of which have to be answered. It's the U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York carrying on a two and a half year investigation in search of a crime. It's having raided my house and having found nothing. The only incriminating thing in my house are the Hunter Biden hard drives and they wouldn't take them. I mean, I offered them the incriminating evidence here. I got plenty of crimes for yeah. you. And the FBI said, no, 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 we, we don't want that. They didn't take the, I mean, the, the uh, laptops, right? It isn't right? just this. I mean, no, that, that's no, stunning. And it contains one crime after another, including child pornography. Uh, so <laughs> I mean, how can people help? Because I, I, I want to let our folks know that there are ways maybe to help with the legal expenses. And it could be them. Yeah, we it isn't. Defense. Thank God it isn't them. But it could be. It's you. How can we help you? We have a, we have a defense fund. And part of that is also so that we can have the resources to turn around and sue them. Uh, I mean, I have an awful lot of uh, uh, civil rights lawyers who believe that they have violated my civil rights and several other people. And we're trying to put together a group that can sue them for uh, what they're doing. They're taking away the right to counsel. They're uh, taking away my free speech rights. I mean, when they when they say I can't say these things, I said these things also as a citizen. Yeah. It wasn't in court. I said them on a, on a show like yours or some other show. And by the way, anybody can contradict me. They can just come on and contradict me. 
That's what free speech is about. I get to say what I believe and you get to say what you believe and the public then figures it out. I'm not allowed to say that I believe there was fraud in the election, but I know there was. So what am I going to do? I know there was. I have I have sitting in my apartment over 300 affidavits of other people who tell me there was fraud in the investigation. So I would be lying if I said there wasn't. Other people have told me that. And it's their evidence that I would like to be heard. I'd like somebody to hear their evidence and then decide was there or wasn't there fraud. And as a lawyer, I just think I have an obligation to do that no matter what they do to me. That's how it's supposed to work. I'm also very glad that there are some uh, very liberal uh, Democrat lawyers and constitutional scholars (laughs) like Jonathan Turley and and, uh, uh, others who are coming to your defense and saying what's happening to you is outright outrageous. And I couldn't agree more. Mayor, it's always good to see you. I appreciate your courage and your tenacity, and I hope our folks will help you. Well, thank you, uh, Mike. You know how much I admire you. Well, it's a privilege. Now, I want our audience to know you can follow the mayor on Twitter at Rudy Giuliani, and also check out his Common Sense podcast. You can get that at RudyGiulianiCS.com. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to give you some common sense reasons to stick around through the break. Well, up next, Orlando Magic founder Pat Williams. Later, political commentator Michael Knowles. More Huckabee is on the way. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter. And follow AdGovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Now, you all know Pat Williams as an NBA Hall of Famer, co-founder of the Orlando Magic, and former general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers. And, of course, from the last time that he was here with us. He's also one of America's leading speakers and the author of, get this, more than 100 books. That's a lot of books to write. His latest is this one. It's called Revolutionary Leadership. Would you please give a warm welcome to a dear friend, Pat Williams. Thank you, Pat. You know, it's like, Pat, you've felt the need to personally populate the entire Library of Congress, which is a pretty big building. But, I mean, you've written so much. I don't know, do you ever say the well is dry, there's nothing left? Uh, No, Mike. Uh, I've got uh, about 50 more books in in the pipeline here that I'd like to write. And... Uh, but I'm most excited about this uh, one that has just come out, Revolutionary Leadership. I've got many interests, Mike, but two of them are American history. Yeah. My dad was a high school history teacher. And secondly, leadership. And so the thought behind this book was if we could study uh, these founders, we call them founders of our country, what did they do well as leaders? And why did this country even come into existence? So that was the background. And then we poured ourselves into digging in and researching and figuring out who should be in the book. And we came away, yes, with the famous ones. We all know them. 
But boy, we discovered some fascinating other men and women, and it was really interesting to do. I, I think that's what I love about the book. Sure, you, you give us Washington and Jefferson and the people that we know, but you introduce us to some people whose names are not immediately right there on the top of our list when we think of the founders, but these are people critical to the creation of this country. Who's a favorite of yours as, as you think about the book? Well, let's talk for a minute about uh, Lafayette. Uh, Lafayette was from France. He was a Frenchman. Uh, he hears about the war going on here. He's 19 years old, gets on a ship by himself, didn't know a soul, comes across the ocean, gets off on the port in South Carolina, wins his way up to Philadelphia, and somehow or other, he comes into contact with George Washington. Now, now it's interesting at this point, Benjamin Franklin is in France, and all these French people want to come over here and be part of this effort and Washington is tired of him. He said, they're entitled and he didn't want any more. No more French. And he, and he writes Franklin the letter and says, no more French. Don't, don't send any more. But somehow um, uh, Lafayette slips through the cracks and yeah. gets in with Washington. Washington all but adopts him. Hmm. Uh, he, he, uh, he, he views him almost as a son. Washington didn't have children of his own. But this young Frenchman caught his fancy. And, and Washington engaged him and he put him to work and he was, in, he was in combat, Battle of the Brandywine. He was there at Yorktown. And uh, he, we, we don't win the war without Lafayette. Hmm. And so Lafayette goes back to France, and he almost loses his life when that revolution erupts. But later on, well into his life, at the end of his life, he comes back to America and does a tour, a grand tour, and he's greeted triumphantly. And so when you think today, Mike, of... Um, Lafayette, Louisiana, yeah, and Lafayette, Indiana, and Fayetteville, Arkansas, and Fayetteville, North Carolina, and Lafayette College in Pennsylvania. That's this 19-year-old huh. kid wow. who came over here to help uh, this new nation uh, win the war. If you were teaching history to young people today, what lesson would you make sure they got about the origins of America. The United States of America is a miracle. Yeah. Uh, it's an absolute miracle. This country... It is. So true. Mike, this country had no business coming into existence. Uh, <laughs> uh, Britain, uh, England was the most powerful force on Earth. They had a big army. and They had the ability to go hire 20,000 Hessians to come over and fight with the English. And, and they had the world's greatest navy. And here we were with our little colonies who were disjointed yeah. and, and uh, struggling. We'd, soldiers never got paid most of the time. They, many of them had no clothes, boots, nah, forget it. Weaponry, not really. It, we were outdone in everything. But the one thing we had that the British didn't was leadership. Mm. When we pay tribute, Mike, to George Washington, it's all deserved. Yeah. The father of our country, but yet there was a modesty to him. But, but as you read and study, uh, the thing he had going for him was his presence. Mm. He was 6'2", in an era when people were short. And when he walked in a room, they say he, he owned that room. And now, Pat, there are people who want to take the statues down oh. of all of these people that we ought to be talking about and remembering for their courage and what you talk about here, revolutionary leadership. 
Mike, it, I get I get worked up over that. Without Washington, we don't have a country. Yeah. And 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 you know he was a farmer at heart. <laughs> so after the war ends, eight years of this war, he never left the troops once. Mm. He was with them year-round eight years. So now he goes home to Mount Vernon. He's finally. But but they try and get this new country started, and they're not doing well. It's not working. And they come to him and say, General, we need you back. And he knew the decisions and what he was doing as our first president was going to lay the groundwork for, for centuries. And he did it well. And, and, and then at the end of the eight years, he goes back home and uh, got our country started. And wasn't perfect, but he, and he wasn't perfect, but boy, he was a great leader. And none of us are either, but we have people before us who did exemplary things, and that's what I love about this book, Revolutionary Leadership. And Pat, thank you for being here. I want to tell our audience, the book is available right now, and you can find inspirational videos, booking information to bring Pat to your community, and a whole lot more at patwilliams.com, also on his social media pages. Now, Believe it or not, Keith Bilbrey is going to inspire you with his knowledge of tonight's show. Coming up, stand-up comedy for Byron Trimble. Later, America's Got Talent winner Michael Brim, all on Huckabee. And welcome back. Now, my next guest has built a big following from his performances all over the world. And his popular online videos has also made him a big star. Uh, you may know him from ABC, NBC, or The Dan Patrick Show. And his comedy specials on Dry Bar and Amazon are pretty special. Would you please welcome the very funny Byron Tremble. What is up, you beautiful people? Oh, I'm so excited to be here. This is my first time on this fine show, on this fine network, which is a big deal when you grow up in a ministry home. My dad's a pastor, and he pastors kids in the house tonight. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, that gets a much bigger response at the prison shows. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that is. Man, it's been, it's, it's good things are looking up, man. It's been a tough year and a half, hasn't it? Tough year, tough year and a half, tough year and a half for, uh, for older people. You know what I'm saying? Like, not only did the virus hate you the most, but we all became more reliant on technology, which if you're anything like my parents, is tough because you don't know what you're doing. And then they call me every time they can't remember their password, which coincidentally is password. It's a problem, man. It's tough because, listen, man, this generation, they fought in wars. This generation built this country on their backs. And it's sad to watch such respectable people sit on a recliner all day yelling at Sherry. Hey, Sherry! <laughs> Sherry! 
asking her all these questions, she ain't gonna know. What's my neighbor's name across the street again? I'll be like, Dad, she don't know that stuff. She don't know that. And her name's Siri, not Sherry. Siri. And your phone's dead anyway. What are you to go? Go charge Sherry. <laughs> it's tough, man. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. All right, Michigan. We had to escape underground just to get here, okay? And things got so crazy in Michigan. You may have heard about this. A bunch of people tried to kidnap the governor of Michigan. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't get to, but they tried. Yeah, too bad, she says. All right. Were you one of them? I don't know. Hey. Hey. <laughs> they tried. Now, listen. <laughs> I'm not condoning kidnapping anybody. But if you think about it, there's something to be said about a group of go-getters. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey. That's some next-level initiative right there, like, <laughs> and a sad indication on how crazy this has made people. Like, for a real practical example, that would be like Trey coming into work one day, calling everybody off to the side after a meeting and saying, y'all, listen, Governor Huckabee's driving me nuts. He don't let me play the songs I want, and I say, we get him. Everybody would be like, Trey, what you mean? Like, prank him? And Trey said, no, I mean, let's get him. Let's tie him up, throw him in the back of a van, and dump him in Wisconsin. <laughs> and everybody's gone so crazy, they'd all look at Trey and go, well, I'll get arrested, but I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> what is going on? I think that all the time. I, personally, like, I just had brain surgery two, uh, two months ago. Brain surgery, I know, it's not as fun as it sounds. <laughs> but I have Chiari malformation is what it's called. Essentially, it's a herniation at the base of my uh, skull, squeezing my brain. The first thing I heard my doctor say when I woke up was, whoa, that was unbelievable, which is exactly what you want to hear. But what happens when you go through something like this, and thankfully I'm doing okay. It was, surgery was successful, and I'm proud to, thank you, thank you, yeah. Thank you. I don't know what they did back there, but all my symptoms have improved, and I can now speak fluent Spanish. It's weird. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but what happens, it's so weird. When you go through some junk in your life, people all of a sudden feel like they can tell you the junk in their lives. Okay, you, maybe this is, like, the, apparently I have a face now that people look at me and they go, that guy needs to hear what I have to say. <laughs> Case in point, I went to Disney World with my family and I go stand in line to get some food. And while I'm in line, I'm standing next to this gentleman who makes eye contact with me and he leans in and he looks at me with the intensity that I'm going to look at this camera right here. And he says... When are we going to make China pay for this virus? <laughs> I said, I said, what? Who, you and me? Like, what are we going <laughs> to Can we eat first? And then, like, uh, <laughs> I wasn't planning on taking down a country today. So I like, hey, huh. In fact, you haven't recently tried to kidnap the governor of Michigan, have you? Because... I have seen this type of initiative just once before. <laughs> you guys, I'm Byron Trimble. That was a lot of fun. Thank you.
Great to have you here, Byron. Thank you. So you are doing something this fall called the No Brainer Tour. So what is that about? <laughs> you get it. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a play on words, No Brainer Tour. Uh, but then also, hopefully, you know, the little catchphrase, our cute catchphrase is, book us, it's a no-brainer. People are starting to open up a little bit. Churches yeah. are feeling more comfortable. Venues are feeling more comfortable to do things again. And then, and, and I'm feeling more comfortable <laughs> to do stuff again. And so, uh, so it's so not the no brain tour. It is yeah. the no brainer. The no brainer tour. Yeah, we want to get that straight. Yes. Make it. Yes. Your starting comedy was not like just the path that most people do, right? No, I, work, I worked at a church for a while. Really? That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. can be comedy. Yeah, it is now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so a lot of churches, churches, everyone knows churches have a lot of events. And yes. They want all their events to be fun. But a lot of times church people don't know how to have fun. And so I did. I noticed that. You yes. noticed that. Okay. Yeah. You know, so I did a lot of icebreakers and stuff and boom, boom, kachoo. Here we are hanging out with Governor Mike Huckabee. <laughs> there you go. And I'm so, and he broke his foot. I'm so thankful yeah. you walked over here because I was so nervous. My feet weren't going to touch the ground on that couch. Uh, I'm a little guy. And so. Uh, I did it for you. I would have been waving my legs like an idiot. So thank you. I appreciate it. We're just glad to have you here. And uh, I want to say thanks so much for coming to be with us. Making us laugh because we need a whole bunch of that. A whole lot more than we've been having over the last several months. By the way, Keith Bilbury has something up his sleeve. He is going to tell us how we can keep up with Byron even beyond our show. Keith, how do you do that? Yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, you can see more of the hilarious Byron Tremble and find his tour dates, booking information, social media links, and more, all at ByronTremble.com. Next, speechless author and outspoken commentator Michael Knowles. Still to come, R&B singer Michael Grimm. Lots more Huckabee is on the way. Welcome back, everybody. Michael Knowles says that the political left are using language in an insidious way to reshape society. And he says that when you control words, you control minds. And conservatives are losing the battle for free speech. I want you to welcome to the show the author of a very remarkable book that I highly recommend. It's called Speechless. It's his first book with words. I'll explain that in a minute. He's the host of the Michael Knowles Show at the Daily Wire. Would you please welcome Michael Knowles? So, Michael, I guess I got to explain. It's your second book. The first one had to have been the easiest book anyone ever wrote. Well, you see, Governor, I had spent my entire life researching that book, and I put about 27 years into it. I had an extensive bibliography, took about 10 seconds to write, and then we published it. It was hilarious. It was 200 and something pages. It, the title of the book, give us that. The title is Reasons to Vote for Democrats, A Comprehensive Guide. And it was 200 and something blank pages. <laughs> I remember when it came out, it was brilliant, and I thought, this is great. <laughs> 
I learned a lesson, by the way. Yes. Now that I've, I've done a book with words. Yes. Much better to write the first kind of book. It's, <laughs> this is too much time, but I did think it, it would be ironic and very important if you write a book without any words, the next book should be entirely about words and how the left uses words to totally take over our culture. Well, I want you to know you nailed it with this book. Uh, you and I talked on my podcast, and I was so grateful to have that conversation because I, I told you then, I think this book is a seminal work of explaining what is happening to the free speech movement in this country. So where did it happen that America lost its will to let people practice the First Amendment? Well, I, I really appreciate your view of the book because there has been a, a big problem among some conservatives where they totally ignore cultural issues. All They wake up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night thinking about, I don't know, marginal tax rates or something. That's yeah. it. You know, they're not. And, and you, you know, you have been such a leader on the cultural fight. And, and unfortunately, I, I find that political correctness lays a trap for mm. conservatives. We've been fighting against this thing for what, 30 years now? Yeah. And in my book, I argue, it actually goes back about 100 years. And, and the, the trap is this. We, we now think that political correctness is a, a fight between free speech and censorship. I don't think it's really that. I think political correctness sets out simply to destroy the traditional standards of society. Mm. And so there are usually two ways conservatives react. Either you have the... Uh, I'll be polite, but the squishes, you know, yeah. the squishes give in to the new standards and use yeah. the new speech codes. And so obviously that advances political correctness. But then on the other hand, you have the more stalwart conservatives who say they're, I don't know, free speech absolutists. And they abandon standards entirely. They say, say whatever you want, do whatever you want. Uh, no, no standard at all. Either way, the traditional standards are abandoned. Hmm. And because nature abhors a vacuum, the left's new perverse standards fill in in their place. So no matter what you do, you end up losing ground in the culture war. And so many people, as you say, have said, well, it's put a live and let live. That's not the message that you think saves America. Well, it's just impossible. I mean, words exist to discriminate one thing from another thing. So yeah. they're obviously exclusive. Now in this country, we can't even agree that a man is not a woman. I mean, that is how, how yeah. confused we've become. <laughs> but your point on marriage is such a good one because people will sometimes bring up the same-sex marriage debate. And I say, first of all, I don't think there ever was any debate. I don't, I don't remember. I remember Anthony Kennedy writing romantic poetry from the Supreme Court and, and radically redefining marriage. But, it, but if you really believe that uh, marriage has nothing to do with sexual difference. I suppose we can have that debate. What the politically correct radicals did, though, what these wordsmiths did, is they presumed their own conclusion. They began the debate and they said, look, even though for a zillion years everywhere in the world, everyone thinks that sexual difference has something to do with marriage. Yeah. We no longer think that. We're now defining marriage as not having to do with sexual difference, and we're gonna debate who has the right to get married. And you say, well, if the debate is over rights, you've already won, but that's not the question. The question is, what are we really talking about? And so it's not even just a, a censorship after the fact. What they have done through political correctness is exert a kind of pre-censorship that already shapes the views before we can speak them. It is alarming to me how all of this has accelerated in such a rapid period of time. And you mentioned the idea that a, a, a man, as one recently just went into a spa and uh, said he was a woman, 
Yet he was physically and anatomically a man and a woman complained, and she was the one that everybody was mad at. Right. What's, right. what's going on? And it's gone all the way up to the Supreme Court. There was just a case that was brought because a boy wanted to go into a girl's bathroom, right? Girls want to go into the, the boy's bathroom, though lesser numbers. Yeah. And this goes up to the Supreme Court, and there were two justices. God bless Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito. The wonderful originalist Absolutely. conservative judges. They were the only two judges who did not go along with the argument that there was a constitutional right for men to go into the women's bathroom. All of the other judges, the liberals, but even the, yeah. the professed originalists, Amy Barrett, John Roberts, he's a completely lost cause, and, and Brett Kavanaugh, they yeah. all went along with this argument. And I thought, where is the right of men to go into the women's bathroom? Is it, it's in the emanations and the penumbras, it's next to the imaginary right to abortion. It's just completely fictitious. And so if even the originalists, the people mm. who are supposed to care about what the words mean, if even they succumb to the pressure of the politically correct left that tries to redefine reality by redefining all the words, then we're really in a bad position. And I think if, if we as conservatives do not offer a substantive vision of politics, say there actually are limits, the words actually yeah. do have meaning, <laughs> there's right and wrong and true and false, and we're going to actually embrace that, then we're, we're only going to keep losing ground. Mm. That is so powerful, and it is the message of Michael Knowles' book. I really do hope that if you're trying to understand what's happening in our culture, you'll get a copy of this because it will help you. And I want to say thanks to Michael for being here. Uh, the book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. You can get a copy anywhere books are sold, and I do suggest that you purchase it, not steal it. That wouldn't be a very nice thing to do. By the way, you can also watch The Michael Knowles Show on dailywire.com. Listen to the show wherever you download your podcast. Now, Keith, you're a big reader. I think you're going to want to read this one. And by the way, we're going to be bringing back one of our favorite features. I'm happy about that, so tell us about it. Oh, it's exciting. Coming up, we go to our kind of town, Strasburg, Pennsylvania. Then American blues singer Michael Grimm. You're watching Huckabee. Mike's guest next week, Winona Judd and Cowboy Chef Kent Rollins. Welcome back. Hey, I think it's about time that we give Trey Corley and the Music City Connection our appreciation for the great music that they provide for us every single show. Now, with the COVID shutdowns this last year, I have really missed traveling and seeing new places. So I think it is about time to check out some wonderful flyover country that is really worth jumping out of a plane for. Or in the case of tonight's Our Kind of Town, a scenic train ride. If you're hankering for a timeless train ride, down-home Dutch dinners and thrilling theatrics, I've got a little town that'll interest you. Strasburg, Pennsylvania. Now, everyone knows the only real way to start your day is by waking up. And I can't think of a better way to wake up than in the Red Caboose Motel. Bought on a whim in 1970, this beautiful row of Caboose Motel rooms and dining cards 
turned restaurant will have you shouting all aboard for this great experience. Now, after breakfast, jump from the train carriage to the Amish carriage with Ed's buggy ride and explore the countryside and local farms where you'll step back in time to see firsthand how the Amish have operated for hundreds of years. After getting lost in time, you ought to head on over to Cherry Crest Adventure Farm to get lost in their mind-boggling five-acre corn maze and enjoy more than 50 other farm fun activities they have awaiting for you. And why not Old McDonald? He never had this much fun. Then take a trip to paradise aboard a historic steam train and top off your day at the Sight and Sound Theater where you'll be wowed by Bible stories brought to life. The live performances are done with 3D technology and puts you right in the middle of it. That sure beats a bedtime story. From cozy bed and breakfast to magnificent theatrical productions to picture-perfect countryside, Strasburg, Pennsylvania is how to experience the very best that Pennsylvania Dutch country has to offer. And that's why it's our kind of town. I want to go there. I truly do. All of that looks just fascinating. I've heard so many great things about the Sight and Sound Theater, and it just looks like a lot of fun. I think this fall, my wife and I are going to Strasburg. I may even let Keith and his wife, Emmy Jo, go. I, I just may invite you guys to go. If you're paying. Oh, that, there, I knew that was coming. <laughs> anyway, a huge thanks to the folks over at the Strasburg's Visitor Center for letting us explore their great town. And if you want to join me in planning a visit to Stroudsburg, head to stroudsburgpennsylvania.com to find a whole lot more adventure there than we could possibly fit into this segment. It is our kind of town, Strasburg, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Hey, singer Michael Grimm charmed millions of viewers as a contestant on America's Got Talent Season 5. After winning the NBC television competition series, the power blues and soul singer burst onto the touring circuit, opening for legendary artists like Hart and Stevie Nicks. Michael comes from humble beginnings in the Mississippi Delta. I want you to hear his great American story, so would you please welcome Michael Graham. Michael, what a thrill to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. I mean, you blend so many musical genres into one thing. You're a unique kind of guy. Country roots, but soulful in your musical presentation. I mean, it's like putting everything in the mixer and blending it in, and out comes Michael Grimm. Like a gumbo. It is a great gumbo, though. <laughs> are, are you thrilled with the audience reaction to your style and, and to the power of your music? Growing up in, in this business today, I grew up when Napster came around, you know, in the 90s. They didn't know what to do with any uh, artists like me. Yeah. And uh, I was a teenager. And I, I was out here in Nashville. I even did something uh, with TBN before when I was mm. 18. I was on uh, the CCMA Awards. Oh. I did a song called John Wayne and Jesus when I, I was 17. Yeah, we got to look it up. That, you know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right? And uh, no, and, 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 I, and, and it's always been a real struggle, but I never gave up, you know, and and uh, moved to Las Vegas, and it's, it's been a, a good thing living there. I've, I've made a lot of money. 
but didn't know what to do. I was playing with Bill Medley on the road with him, oh, guitarist. Uh, Righteous Brothers. Righteous Brothers, yeah. And, uh, and America's Got Talent called me and said, can you be in Hollywood tomorrow? And that's, so it's been great. You know, my career, I've been able to hang on to, uh, to whatever I can in this business. I feel like, you know, a gypsy a little bit. I'm just running everywhere <laughs> with it, you know, and anywhere they'll take me. But I mean, when you win America's Got Talent, it's a million bucks to begin with, but it's also, what exposure to kind of well, jumpstart you, yeah, your yeah, career. Absolutely, yeah. And that was great because I had a lot of merchandise already out there. And when the show hit, it was like I saw it flying <laughs> off the shelves. And I'm like, Grandma, I'm getting you that house. You know? <laughs> did you get your grandma a house? I did, yeah. I built it. Wish I would have bought one and refurbished <laughs> it. But yeah, built it from the ground up, yeah. Oh, what a beautiful Why was your grandmother so important to you? Uh, she raised me, her and my grandfather. So hmm. yeah, welfare was going to take me and my sister. And, uh, and she, uh, she said no, you know. And uh, raise me. Yeah, that was it. You know, so I owe her my life. You know, yeah. You know, but it's a beautiful thing that that you went back and did something beautiful for her for well, the something beautiful yeah. she did for you. Well, I always told her. I said, if I ever, if I ever, when I was a kid, I'd said, if I ever grow up and make it famous and I get super rich, I'm gonna get you a big mansion and a big limousine. <laughs> Didn't happen exactly the way planned, but uh, but. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I got her the house, and, uh, and I keep an eye on her, you know, and she, but she's a tough one. Definitely. You know, Michael, what I love about your story, you, you're that person, it was not overnight success, and it was not an easy pathway for you, but you never gave up the dream no, that of was, being on the yeah, stage absolutely. and entertaining. Yes, Governor. Absolutely. Did you want to quit sometimes? Uh, many times, yeah, yeah, but, you know... Then, uh, you know, I have good friends around me, good support system, you know, and they're always like, keep going at it. Bill Medley being one. Yeah. Though, you know. That's a pretty good guy to yeah, encourage yeah, you. Great mentor, you know, he, yeah. he's only lasted 50, 60 years. So right. It's not Rock bad. Roll Hall of Famer. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. There were a lot of people, I'm sure, that influenced you along the way, musically and also professionally. Who were some of the people that, that you look to and say, wow, if it had not been for either their musical influences or professional wouldn't have made it. That's easy, starting with George Jones. Yeah. You know, <laughs> one of the best soulful singers oh my I've gosh. ever heard. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. None like him. <laughs> right. Otis Redding. I heard Ray Charles do a country album once, mm. you know, and um, boy, he really owned it, you know, yeah. did it his way, and I loved that. Um, no, those, a lot of my influences are, are, are gone, but... Um, but uh, there, there's a couple, Bill Medley, that yeah. are still around, you know. But you know, the great thing is, Michael, you're carrying on and giving it your own signature sound, which I think is what your gift is to all of us. And I'm just thrilled you're here. We're excited. That, yeah. But we didn't bring you here to talk. We're going to have you sing. All right. Yeah, I got to tell good. our audience, you need to check out MichaelGrimmusic.com. That's where you're going to find his music releases, concert schedules, and a whole lot more. But why he's here is coming up next because Michael Grimm is going to be performing his version of America the Beautiful, and it is beautiful. Do not go away. We'll be right back. After the show, go to Huckabee.tv for a digital exclusive performance of Old Biloxi by Michael Grimm, making his television premiere of America the Beautiful with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection is Michael Grimm.
Oh, beautiful Poor heroes prove And liberate and strive For more of themselves Their country love I said, America, oh, America, may God that home refine till all success be Man! Oh, 